third wave of economic stimulus measures for Dubai, as signs of a rebound in commercial activity emerge, and the Emirate pushes to return business to normal as soon as possible. You're listening to the Business Extra podcast, coming from the National in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. With me is my co-host, Kelsey Warner, Future Editor. Hi, Kelsey. Hi, Mustafa. So later on, we'll speak to Bayut's uh, Chief Executive, Haider Ali Khan, about the property portal's plans for the future. But now, Kelsey, as, as I just mentioned, um, the Dubai government has announced a further 1.5 billion dirhams worth of economic stimulus measures last Saturday. So the total support given to businesses during the pandemic is 6.3 billion dirhams, which is a significant amount. I'll quote from uh, Sheikh Hamdan bin Mohammed, the Crown Prince of Dubai. We aim to enhance the liquidity of companies, support the continuity of their business and reduce the cost of doing business. So it's good news um, amid the ongoing fight against COVID-19 and the impact on economic activity, which we hope we're starting to move past. It seems, yes. And it's interesting. So wave three of economic stimulus mostly coming in the form of fee reductions, it would appear, and really throwing lifelines to SMEs and emphasizing hospitality, tourism, restaurants, um, kind of some of the heroes coming back in the in the new normal um, that we're, we're glad to see kind of returning to some business as usual in these recent weeks. But what do you think? Well, I mean, I, I think the fees point is interesting because uh, Dubai generates a lot of its revenue from fees. And so to, to continue to cut back, it's obviously putting um, business activity across the economy and sentiment um, ahead of immediate revenue, which is which I think is smart, and it's the way it's the way to do it. Um, I think gov- governments can be concerned that you know if they go too long uh, with a, a sort of fall in revenue that that could impact things. But but also I think this is unprecedented times, as we've unprecedentedly said many many times. Um, so it's it's good that the, the the Dubai government, wider UAE, is saying, look, we'll, we will go bigger for longer, we'll help you as much as we can. They haven't ruled out further waves of stimulus. I mean, there was no suggestion that they're coming, but equally they didn't say that they're not. Um, you know, the, the commitment to support business uh, means that if needed, um, you know, it'll happen. And, you know, quite rightly what you said, SMEs, the lifeblood of the economy here, they need as much help as possible to keep going because, you know, the decision could be let's just shut down if I've got a huge amount of of fees coming to pay, what's the point, right? Right. So improving small businesses' liquidity, sure. And it, yeah, I think, right, third wave of economic stimulus. And so these waves sort of becoming part of the new normal is is the government kind of showing how flexible it actually can be in terms of extending lifelines, you know, amending certain things that they rolled out in March and, um, you know, building in some help for this new normal that we're sort of all working in within on a week-to-week basis. Uh, the la- I mean, the latest economic data, uh, PMIs, show that their activity is picking up um, now, um, that things are a little bit better. Um, the, the, the economic stimulus, this wave, is targeting, uh, you know, beyond SMEs, tourism, education, interestingly, you know, because school's been under a lot of pressure, um, construction, you know, trying to facilitate faster payments to the construction sector to keep them going. Um, and, you, you know, the, the idea being that you, you kind of got to help the momentum build. And, and it's very, what's fascinating now 
is it is, you know, we've said this before, you and I on previous episodes, it's a summer like no other. Um, and, and that, and, and, but that's also on the, on the positive side, because how many people, how many businesses, are, you know, we're staying put during these summer months. Here we are in mid July and, you know, there hasn't been the typical exodus of, of people either going on holiday, going back home, uh, for a break. Yes, we've had people losing their jobs. Yes, we've had repatriation flights. But, but equally, you know, we, we, there are a lot more people than usual sticking around to get that momentum going across the board. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the data is showing that the acuity that we were feeling a couple of months ago has actually passed. There's this opportunity to return to growth. Uh, we had a story this afternoon about hotels in Abu Dhabi, which really speaks to sort of the captive audience that we have here in the Emirate this month, but up 3% year on year in terms of bookings. Um, it's a different summer, for sure. We're all staying put, uh, but it's it's good for us, I think, all to be digging in and doing what we can for the economy, frankly, um, as residents. Uh, and it's, it's really, it's heartening to see that it feels like some of the worst of the data has passed. When you look at, you know, we've spoken to LinkedIn, we've spoken to Google in the last couple of months, um, and people are reskilling. They're applying for new jobs. Uh, reforms and stimulus keep coming. Uh, it, it's it's not feeling as scary as it was feeling a couple months ago when we were speaking, um, kind of really amid and in the thick of it. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with the management of the public health crisis. Um, the UAE, I think, has done just a really astounding job in terms of, of testing. And I look back to my home country in the United States, and they're really buckled in for a lot of uncertainty this summer that, frankly, I don't feel we're really having to deal with here. Well, let's see how this stimulus goes. I think that there are other, <laughs> there, there are other, well, I don't, I don't say that, I don't say that negating everything you said. No, I think there's, there's a lot of positivity, relatively speaking, but, you know, the, I think the, the worry for most people is that, you do that we will see, you know, a, a larger number of people leaving permanently. So supporting SMEs who are amongst the biggest employers collectively, um, is, you know, will really help on that front. So, you know, let's see, we can get the SMEs through 2020 um, and we can keep them, you know, employing their staff and perhaps maybe even, you know, dare I say it, looking at hiring more in 2021, then, um, you know, things could could like you said, we could be could be already past the scary part. But I mean, there are scary questions out there. Um, I'll, I'll move on to sort of a wider wider question, if you like. Um, if things are ever supposed to go back to normal, um, there, there's a new book out this week, uh, COVID nineteen: The Great Reset. It's co-authored by the founder of the World Economic Forum, Professor Klaus Schwab, and the book argues that the pandemics revealed a great and collective desire for change. Governments and companies around the world have to urgently address this and help facilitate this change or risk violent shocks, such as revolutions and conflicts across countries. So that, that, you know, that's a sort of global view. Um, but, you know, there are lessons and warnings and, and, and all that. I mean, they admit it's less than six months in. Um, they also say currently the pandemic isn't as deadly as previous pandemics. But they also say that history has shown that they are a force for radical and lasting change. Yes, we're in a catalyst event for sure. So what this catalyzes, what we've seen so far, not to point back to the U.S. again, but Mr. Schwab did 
mention George Floyd and the wider Black Lives Matter movement were kind of evidence of this urgent necessity to fix the inequalities that come to bear when we experience something like a pandemic. And so we are absolutely societally facing, I think, really hard truths um, that need to be, that will be grappled with and that we are in the midst of grappling with kind of globally, for sure. So on the one side, you've got youth, young people, um, their activism facilitated by social media, pushing for change, issues like you say, like inequality, but also um, climate change, um, diversity, uh, gender balance. They want to see things tangibly change. Then you have a competing force, an opposite force of those that maybe believe the pandemic isn't as bad as, as people say. You also have more nationalism and a sort of weakening of multilateralism, which, which is sort of the opposite pulling uh, in the other direction and, and maybe indicating that things might not change quite as fast as some people want. And that's, that's where Professor Schwab and his co-author argue um, that the danger lies. Because on the one hand, we could you know, use the pandemic to springboard towards a better world, a fairer world. But on the other, we could get caught up in you know, hunger, famine, refugee crises, riots, revolutions. I mean, biblical stuff, basically. The fight for that better world and that, that flux that that fight is going to create cannot be our, like, cannot be our undoing, but is a huge threat, sort of, is kind of the tension that I'm seeing in his argument, I suppose, is, you know, in fighting for equality and fighting for climate justice, you bring about a huge amount of discontent that can be, you know, fairly dangerous, fairly risky. So how do you balance that with actually creating systemic lasting change? And it's, it's, I mean, what a, t- what a time to be alive, truly. I think the World Economic Forum prides itself on being able to, you know, coalesce viewpoints and, and come out with sort of consensus on, on what to do. But it seems like, um, you know, the polarization of opinion, the polarization of politics that we had before COVID-19 have been hardened rather than sort of swept away by the pandemic. So, you know, I think that the forum's job um, is, is become that much harder. And of course... You know, the, the ability to gather thousands of people in a small mountain Swiss resort um, in, Sw- in Davos uh, in, in January. I'm not sure, you know, how, what that's going to look like. They appear determined to do it. So far, the news I'm seeing is they're, they're determined to pull it off and through ambitious coordination to see it in some form in January. Well, there's an argument to say that we need it more than ever. Um, and there are those who say who might argue against, um, but you know I think it, it's an, it's an interesting um, thesis that Professor Schwab has put out. Um, he's put it out pretty quickly, um, so he acknowledges there's a lot we don't know yet. But what he does know is, as you said, um, you know, it's questions of fairness uh, will really will really be front and center. And I mean, all of these realities we were tackling prior to the pandemic, but it the hardening of belief systems within the pandemic, I think it's just been so fascinating to me personally and what its legacy will be. How, how strongly will we hold these truths when we are out of danger? 
um, is, I think, still remains to be seen. Uh, but it's certainly accelerating so many things that we were seeing prior to, to March 13th, when this all really started to begin. In April, EMPG, the parent company of Dubai's property portal Bayut, secured $150 million in an investment round led by Netherlands-based OLX, which owns the online classified site Dubizzle, which many of you are familiar with. The deal has valued EMPG at $1 billion. And OLX's Middle East, North Africa, and South Asian business has been merged into EMPG. So we've got Bayut's chief executive, Haider Ali Khan, with us to give us an update on how things have been since that uh, landmark and perhaps more complicated deal, uh, or less complicated deal than it sounds, in fact. Hi, Haider. Hi, good afternoon. How are you? Good, thank you. So tell us, what uh, what have the last few months been for, for Bayut? It's been a pretty uh, uh, busy couple of last months, uh, just uh, uh, overseeing uh, Bayut and, and Dubizzle over here uh, for myself. Uh, and uh, you know, getting to know some of the other assets uh, in the region as well uh, that have now that are now under EMPG. Um, both of the companies are going to continue to exist as uh, separate brands, and I'm talking about Dubizzle and and Bayut. Um, you know, a lot of my time um, lately has gone into one is just you know getting life back on track, uh, coming back to the workplace. Uh, but also getting to know people on on, on the other side um, and figuring out uh, you know some future plans, um, as well as uh, understanding you know where where we are today, um, what kind of techs do we need to build and what kind of problems we need to solve. Um, so that's that's where a lot of the effort is going in. Um, it's, uh, it's it's pretty busy. It's very busy right now. And can you elaborate a bit more on what the merger actually means for the future of Bayou and where you guys are going? Sure, absolutely. So the merger, uh, you know, as as was mentioned um, um, a little while ago, is is the um, there are EMPG, which stands for Emerging Markets Property Group. Uh, we're already operating in a, quite a few countries, um, and then this this merger, um, the way it uh, has transpired, is that. Uh, there are assets uh, that belong to the OLX group that have been rolled under EMPG, uh, one of them being Dubizzle, um, and then OLX Egypt, uh, OLX Pakistan, OLX Lebanon, and some of the other OLX assets in the GCC have been rolled under um, EMPG. Uh, and NASPERS, uh, or slash OLX, which is the uh, parent company of these these assets, have become a shareholder in EMPG, um, where EMPG continues to operate. Um, these 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 assets. The largest, obviously, overlap uh, of 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 being in the uh, in the in the UAE, where um, you know there are two very strong brands. There's Bayut and Dubizzle. Bayut just focuses on the property side, where Dubizzle is more of a classified uh, marketplace um, and position on the property side, as well as the uh, cars uh, side, jobs. Uh, and then general goods and, uh, and 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 community items. But the in terms of you know where things need to go from this point onwards, you know, or where things are going from this point onwards, uh, there's there's obviously we need to continue to focus on all those different aspects and uh, provide better experiences uh, in, in in all of those areas. Uh, hey there, I, I'm not going to ask you to forecast you know where the UA property market's going to be, um, or when we're going to see a kind of return. Um, to more activity, but I would ask, given your your, your vantage point at Bayut, and you know now being able to see um, what what operate what the operations at Dubizzle as well, um, we, we're less than six months since the pandemic started, really, and 
I wonder if from your point of view, day to day, what are you, what trends are you seeing that you think are here to stay um, and, and could maybe give us an idea of what the, the nature of the, of, of, of real estate, not just in the UAE, but in general as a business, particularly with these di- the digital side of things, what you think that's going to look like and at least what you're working towards. So, you know, I think it was around late March when we went into more of a, a lockdown. And interestingly enough, throughout that period, which lasted from, I would say, March to early May, uh, the traffic trends um, in terms of people visiting the website, um, Bayut, uh, and Divisal, they were fairly steady. Uh, in fact, even growing in certain areas, I think. Um, and since then, we've only seen traffic increase uh, quite remarkably, actually, um, over the last couple of months. And, you know, just, just to give you some some sense, our traffic for last month combined between um, the Bizzle and the youth on the property side, uh, it was uh, 7.3 million sessions um, and, uh, you know, generated close to 1.3 million leads. So there is genuine interest in the market. There is, and I say genuine because you know, during the during the uh, you know during the period where mobility was limited, what we saw was there was a lot of browsing, but the leads had taken a dip. But those have recovered now. So, so there is a lot of um, um, interest, and people are browsing properties and also generating leads. Um, and in terms of the transactions, even you know, if you look at uh, some of the reports out of DLD and DMT uh, for the way in Abu Dhabi, you know, there's 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 nice recovery. DMT, in fact, if you look at Abu Dhabi, I think it's 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 uh, uh, it's it's grown actually compared to last year, and uh, you know, Dubai is recovering as well. Um, the, we've seen quite a bit of interest in people looking for villa communities or villas and in communities with villas, um, which is, I think, understandable. People want open spaces probably, um, um, you know, for, for more of a family lifestyle. So we've, we've definitely seen an uptake on that. Um, and generally, look, I mean, I think property is one thing which is so core to us, uh, you know, as people, as, as, as a human race, where, you know, you have to have a home. Um, you have to have a roof uh, above your head. So uh, property itself, uh, I think it's it's one of those things that is always going to stay relevant. Um, so your question of you know how like where what does a digital platform uh, do when it comes to property? I think um, generally with 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 you know with this situation that we're going through, people tend to be becoming more and more digital savvy. Maybe there was a certain group of people who are not digital savvy before but have now become digital savvy or are getting there so it's kind of acted as a bit of a catalyst for adoption of digital platforms property is no different Um, and um, i think the real thing is you know you kind of have to see how that interest converts into transactions Um, and as we start coupling that data you know we kind of play uh, a part whether it's beauty or the bizzle in the early part of the journey which is discovery and finding properties and then getting uh, in contact with the agents who walk you through the next phase uh, all the way towards the end, which is actually closing a deal. And so if you start coupling in some of the interest with the transaction data that's coming out, things seem to be uh, you know, headed in the right direction. What about property listings and the digital development of a property listing as like a digital product? Has, has Have listings changed during this time? Are you seeing different user behavior, like less in-person, more know, virtual tours? And then from a listing perspective, how's volume been? Are you seeing any change in volume? So our volume has 
slightly gone up. There's more listings, you know, some of it is just driven by more people coming online and advertising, you know. Um, so I think it's too soon to say if, you know, if virtual tours, if people are just going to buy property based on virtual tours. I still strongly feel that, you know, if, if we actually look at during the slow period, um, when mobility was restricted, um, transactions went down and and you can obviously sure you can go and you can have a virtual tour of a property we have a lot of properties with virtual tours but in order for you to buy you know i just ask this question to myself i would always want to go and see a property um, to get the feel of the space um and and i think that's you know that kind of has started rebounding pretty strongly i think once once things started opening up um so uh, you know, I think it's great for discovery. You know, we have a lot of things online. We have virtual tours. We have 3D floor plans, live floor plans that, you know, we standardize those. You can actually have a look. But in order for transactions to happen, I still think that, you know, you need that trusted advice of agents. Uh, people need to go and view the property, kind of feel, you know, the space. It's very difficult to get a sense of the community St- sitting afar. You can read up, read up on it, um, but uh, just driving through the neighborhood, going and seeing the grocery store, um, you know, where your kids are going to go swim, play. Uh, I think those things are very relevant and I, I don't see that changing um, anytime soon. Uh, one last thing, Haydo, just to go back to the 1.3 million leads you mentioned um, during that period. Um, it was, it was you, you said that was 1.3 million leads during the, the period of March to May. Is that correct? No, that was just last month. Just last month, 1.3 million. When things have basically opened up, you've seen a, a kind of bounce back in leads um, better better than a year ago, basically. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's a lot of interest. I think there you know there's there's fairly good deals available in the market as well. Um, people are looking to rent um, as well as buy. I think from what we're seeing right now, there's a pretty healthy rebound. Haider Ali Khan, Chief Executive of Bayut. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, thank you so much. Kelsey Warner, the National's Future Editor, thank you so much. Good to be with you as always. Before we finish, here are the other stories you need to know about on the national.ae. Google will invest $10 billion in India to help the country accelerate the development of its digital economy. Emirates plans to cut up to 9,000 jobs as the airline joins its global peers and reduces its workforce in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. Saudi Arabia is pushing ahead with the development of its $500 billion NEON project as it compensates owners whose properties fall within the futuristic city. That's it for today. If you have any questions or comments, please email malrawi at thenational.ae. If you enjoyed this show, please do subscribe or leave a review. All that remains to thank Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan for producing this episode. And thank you all for listening. Do join us again next time.